This audio is brought to you by muslimcentral.com. Brothers and sisters in Islam, Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Today, insha'Allah, we will resume our lessons from the lives of our prophets and messengers of Allah, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, alayhim ajma'in. Peace and blessings of Allah be upon them all. Allah says in the Quran, La nufarriqu bayna ahadim min rusulih. وَقَالُوا سَمِعْنَا وَأَطَعْنَا غُفْرَانَكَ رَبَّنَا وَإِلَيْكَ الْمَصِيرِ We do not distinguish or we do not differ between any of our messengers. And they all said together the same common word, We hear you, O Allah, and we obey you, O Allah. And to you, and we ask you to forgive us, and to you we will all return. This was the common statement, the common prayer, the common supplications and affirmations, like when they make a statement, you mean it, of all the prophets and messengers of Allah. This was their motto. This was their slogan. And they, and they are our role models. The slogan, the motto, the whole life, their hearts, their minds and their actions and their tongues all lived that one statement. We all hear you, O Allah. We listen to what you have to say. We listen with our hearts. We listen with our minds. We don't just listen with our ears. We listen and we obey. We obey every command that you give us. And we seek your forgiveness. And to you, we will all return. This statement carries a lot of meanings, brothers and sisters. Since they are our role models, and Allah told us that this is their common statement, their motto, their slogan, then He is telling us to follow the messengers and the prophets as well on the same slogan, the same motto. We should all say and live by and teach our spouses and teach our children and our grandchildren and remind our brothers and sisters, our families, the Muslims everywhere, we share this common slogan that we hear Allah and we don't hear anyone before Allah. When Allah speaks to us, when Allah commands us, our attention to Him first. We are silent. We listen. We listen without any doubt that this is the truth. We don't, we don't have any doubt in what Allah has to say. We listen and we take it, and we try to understand it, we study it, we learn about it, we ask the knowledgeable people about what Allah has told us and His messengers, and then we obey it. We don't just listen to it and keep it in our hearts and our brains, but we don't practice it in our lives. We also put it into action, into our lives. We obey, and since the prophets and messengers were prone to possible mistake, they were human beings, right? So it was possible for a messenger or a prophet of Allah to make mistakes because they were human. 
It was possible for them to make mistakes, although their mistakes were not in the religion, in the deen itself. And their mistakes were innocent human mistakes, such as to forget something, but never forgot the duty of Allah, never forgot the message of Allah. To sleep past maybe the adhan, as the Prophet ﷺ did once. Or to uh, judge wrongly about a particular worldly decision. They can make these mistakes. Or to assume something when it's something else, of something worldly, but not of the message of Allah. So they make mistakes. And they sought Allah's forgiveness. Nuh salam, when his son was among the disbelievers and Allah swept him away, Allah took him away in the waves. Nuh turned to Allah and asked, O oh my Lord, you promised me my family to save them and my son is one of my family. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala taught him a lesson, said he's not one of your family and I warn you not to be among the ignorant. He immediately prostrated and asked Allah for forgiveness. Also, Yunus alayhi salam, Yunus ibn Matta, he left his people without the permission of Allah, assuming that what he was doing was right because they never listened. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala taught him a lesson by having the whale swallow him. And he repented to Allah immediately with tasbih and tahmid. And his people repented. Prophets can make human mistakes. And you can see that with them, even though the mistakes are very, very, very minor, extremely rare. And if they are, they are innocent mistakes. They seek Allah's forgiveness. And we all know Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, that Allah had forgiven his sins past, present and future. This is the gift for the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Yet he used to seek forgiveness from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala out of honor and respect to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to teach us as well. And they are our role models. So if they sought the forgiveness of Allah, this is our motto as well. We are prone to mistake, brothers and sisters. We are prone to so many mistakes. And we are weak. And the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said, Tuba liman wajada fi sahifatihi istighfaran kathira. Great news to whoever on the day of judgment finds in their report, in their record, many, many moments in their lives in which they sought the forgiveness of Allah from their hearts. We need it. And to Him we will return. We are always the prophets and messengers always kept in the back of their mind and in the front of their eyes that they will have to answer to Allah. That at the end, they're going to have to stand before Allah and that's where it's going to end. They will not have to answer to anyone else anymore. No one else will question except for Allah and He will question every person. So when your final end is in a particular place and you know there is no, nothing after it except for the reward or punishment, then... Your whole life becomes that objective. You work towards being successful when you are about to meet, for the day when you are going to meet Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. This is our motto, brothers and sisters. This is what a Muslim is. Submitted to Allah and the recognition of knowing that we will stand before Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and that will be the final end. That's the final destiny for every single human being on the face of the earth. Every jinn, every angel, and every animal even. Even the animals will stand before Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and whichever animal oppressed another animal take its revenge in some way which Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala knows and is just with. This was the motto of the prophets and messengers 
and we make no distinction between any of them in that objective. When we say, when Allah says we make no differences between them, in that they all obeyed, they all heard, they all saw Allah forgiveness, they all believed in Allah and did not falter in their belief whatsoever. And they called to the same thing. They never differed. There, weren't, there are no two religions that Allah sent down. There is only one deen. Deen is a way of life. There is only one. And since Allah created the human beings in a particular form, in a particular mindset, in particular this form that we have, the human being himself or herself is always a human being. And the laws which Allah has created on earth are always the same. Even if there are some changes in the environment, they are the same. So why would there be two ways of life? It has always applied to the same human being that was in the first to be on earth and it will apply the same way to the same human being by, till the end of time. There is only one deen of Allah. So there, there is no need to have different messengers who believed in different things. And there is only one God, Allah, the Creator. There are no two gods. So therefore there is no two deens. And since it begins with Him and ends with Him, this is the unity of our deen. And this is what brings different colors as we see here before us. Different, different features of the face. Different languages of the tongue. Different regions of the world. Different genders. Islam brings us all under one. Under one identity. One identity, brothers and sisters. And that is to submit to the creator of all the humans and the world. Not to submit to nationalism. Not to submit to patriotism. Or to submit to people's ideologies which they made up. Or to submit to your race only. Or to submit to whatever you wish to submit to and make up any idols of your own, but to submit to Allah, the creator of all of this. He is the one who has the right for us to submit to and be loyal to. And this is why we call each other brothers and sisters. Allah says, Verily, as a matter of fact, when you hear the word innama, it means as a matter of fact, the believers are nothing but brothers and sisters. And I have to highlight something very important here. It was never the choice of any prophet or messenger to be born in the nationality or the color or type of people, I should say, that they were born into. It was Allah's choice. He is the one who put them there. And they submitted to Allah in whichever situation or position they, Allah created them. And for us as well, it wasn't any of our choice to be born into the race that you're in, or the color that you have, or the language that you speak. Or whether you come from parents who have a name in society, or parents who are nobodies in society. What really matters is to Allah. Who are you to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? And therefore no one has the right to claim superiority over another. No man over a woman, a woman over a man, or nationality over another. No one has the right to do that. So we are not patriotic, but we are like our messengers and prophets. They were all brothers and sisters. And the final of them is Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. And he calls all the prophets and messengers his brothers. There was a time 
when the people of a place, a city in Saudi Arabia, today it's all Saudi Arabia, but in those days there was different tribes, it was called the city of At-Ta'if. At-Ta'if. And the Prophet ﷺ went there to bring to them the message. They rejected him, refuted him, threw him out, threw stones at him, and he entered into a, a little garden. And in that garden was owned by an Arab from At-Ta'if. He had a slave, a slave who was a Christian from a place called Ninawa in Iraq. And he went to the Prophet ﷺ by the command of his master to give him some grapes because he felt sorry for him. And when the Prophet ﷺ took the grape and said, Bismillah, the man, the Christian man said, people of this land don't say it like that. Where did you learn these words, Bismillah? He said, my Lord taught me these words. He said, where are you from? He said, I'm from Ninawa. And the Prophet ﷺ said to him, oh, you are from the same place from where my brother, where my brother, Akhi Yunus ibn Matta is from. You are from the same place from where my brother, Jonah, Yunus, the son of Matta, or the people of Matta is from, Ninawa in Iraq. The Christian, whose name was Addas, fell onto the Prophet's legs and began to kiss them and crying and say, no one knows this information except for the final prophet that's to come. Because Christians, in their original Bible, have the coming of the last prophet, and so do the Jews in their Bible. But they've distorted it now into different wordings, in order to be interpreted into different ways. So the point is, Rasul Sallallahu called them brothers. And whenever he mentioned any of the prophets and messengers, he called them my brothers. Yet they were of different nation, different races, different colors, different language. The prophet of Allah and the messenger, which we want to continue with today, is one of those who was called the father of the prophets, the Abu Al-Anbiya. And his name was Ibrahim alayhi salam. Ibrahim salam was born in a place near Babylonia in Iraq as we said before. And Allah sent him as a messenger and a prophet. For those of you who don't know the difference, a messenger, Rasul, and prophet, Nabi, are two different words. A Rasul is both a Nabi as well as a Rasul. So when you say messenger, he is also a prophet. But when you say Nabi, prophet, he is not necessarily a messenger. Every messenger is a prophet, not every prophet is a messenger. And the difference is that, according to what our scholars explain to us without differences of opinion, is that a rasul, a messenger, is one who is sent from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala with the same message as the prophets before, but with some new laws. New laws of practice, that's all. And the nabi, a prophet, is someone who comes out and receives inspiration as well from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, but he does not come with any new laws, but with the same laws of the messenger before him. Carries them out and adheres to them and calls the people to them. And there are narrations of hundreds of thousands of prophets. There are some weak narrations and strong narrations, but only Allah knows how many came out. There are much more, many more than what the Quran only spoke about, which is about roughly 25 or 26 messengers. There were more than that. Ibrahim alayhi salam was called the father of the prophets because when Ibrahim alayhi salam gave birth or he, when Ibrahim alayhi, Ibrahim alayhi salam's descendants were all prophets and messengers.
prophethood came from his lineage, whether they were Arabs or the ones called the children of Israel. Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam is from the progeny of Ibrahim alayhi salam. And so was Isa alayhi salam, Jesus Christ, and Moses, peace be upon them, Musa and Isa alayhi salam, and the rest were all from the progeny of Ibrahim alayhi salam. But they were from his son Ishaq, Isaac. And Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi who was an Arab, came from Ismail alayhi salam. And so was Salih and Hud and Shu'ayb. These four came after Ibrahim alayhi salam from the progeny of Ismail, his son. But the others came from the progeny of Ishaq alayhi salam, who was also the son of Ibrahim alayhi salam from a different mother. So he was called Abu al-Anbiya, the father of the prophets. Such a noble name to be called the father of the Anbiya, of the prophets. And Rasul Sallallahu is to call him Abi Ibrahim, or Abuna Ibrahim, our father Ibrahim, Abu al-Anbiya. Another name or another title for Ibrahim alayhi salam was that he was Khalil al-Rahman. He was the best friend of Allah. When we say best friend, it's not like the friend that we have, like your best friend as a human. You walk with them and eat with them and sleep with them. If sleep with them, yani at the home, they sleep in their own bed. And uh, you share moments with them. Sorry, I have to go into this interpretation these days because of the whacked ideas that people have, uh, um, that the world has now introduced. So, if you know what I mean. Yani. So, not that type of a best friend. The best friend to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is, is of a different level. When Allah gives them that title, it means the level of closeness to the love of Allah. Allah loves them this much. Like what a best friend loves a best friend. Muhammad sallallahu was given a higher title. He was called Habibullah, the beloved of Allah. And the Habib is more beloved than the Khalil. The beloved, the, the, the beloved is more beloved than the best friend. So Rasul Sallallahu Habibullah and Ibrahim alayhi salam was Khalilul Rahman. And Allah says this in Surah An-Nisa where Allah Subhanahu wa Ta'ala calls Ibrahim alayhi salam as his Khalil along with a very interesting statement. Allah says, A'udhu billahi minash shaitan rajim bismillahirrahmanirrahim. وَمَنْ أَحْسَنُ دِينًا مِّمَّنْ أَسْلَمَ وَجْهَهُ لِلَّهِ وَهُوَ مُحْسِنٌ وَاتَّبَعَ مِلَّةَ إِبْرَاهِيمَ حَنِيفًا وَاتَّخَذَ اللَّهُ إِبْرَاهِيمَ خَلِيلًا Which means, and who is there on earth? In other words, I added that on earth, meaning who is there? Better in a way of life than someone who has submitted their whole life, their whole being to Allah. And they are among the righteous in actions. And they follow the same way of life of Ibrahim alayhi salam. Hanifa, monotheist. Never worship two gods or more gods. Worshipper of one and only true Allah. Monotheist. Hanifa. And Allah chose Ibrahim as his best friend.
Look at the combination in this verse. Allah is talking about a quality of people that anyone can be. Any one of us can become that. Any person can become someone who chooses to submit to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala completely in everything in your life. And then follow it up with righteous deeds. It's not enough just to say, I submit. You have to work in your actions to prove it. And you follow the same belief as Ibrahim salam, which is monotheism. You never make partners with Allah in any shape, way or form. And then Allah tells you that he took Ibrahim as his best friend. What's he telling you? It is a hope that if you follow the same characteristics of Ibrahim salam, that if you follow the same qualities or characteristics of Ibrahim salam, then you will also be among the ranks of the ones who are closest to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. There is no one better than anyone who submits to Allah. You know why? I'll tell you why. Do you know why? It's the best thing to submit to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. You know what submit means, right? Submit. Surrender. Give in. Lower your wings of pride and humility to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Lower it. Submit to it. Shed tears of you, from your eyes. I am, I am the servant, the slave of Allah alone. To submit to Him in everything. It means that whether you agree or disagree with a command of Allah or a prohibition, if you know that it is Allah who commanded it or prohibited it, you accept it without any hesitation. Any hesitation. And if you don't practice it, you are quick to repent to Allah from it. If you feel nothing in here, no regret, then there's something wrong with your submission. There are some people who argue the laws of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. They debate the laws of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and His commands and prohibitions. They make their own interpretations, justifications to try and get out of it. Some of them, even and it's very sad among the Muslims themselves, modern Muslims, modernized Muslims if you know what I mean, who grab verses from the Qur'an and hadiths of the Prophet ﷺ and twist and turn them to give them their own interpretations to justify their means. For example, when they talk about, when they talk about any particular feature that a Muslim should have, they say this is of all times. For example, the hijab. Or they talk about the beard of a Muslim. A lot of them mock it. A lot of them mock it. And they begin to say this is of old times. They needed it in those days. Hijab was needed then, but today it doesn't apply to us. Or when you speak about music, they try to justify it, that it's halal for you. Or the physical contact between genders. They say to you, only if your heart is clean, you can touch each other. And they justify other means. The word jihad, for example, is diluted today because of what the media is teaching us. And I can't believe, I cannot believe, that Muslims who know their own deen are influenced, are being taught by what the media teaches them about their own deen. Is, does that make sense? If someone came up to you to tell you about your father and mother, tell you who they are, and have never lived with them, they don't even know them, and you were raised with them, they brought you up, 
and they told you who your mother and father is, would any of us accept their information when, when you are the one who knows them more? If you know your father, for example, to be a very honest man, someone comes and says, your father's a liar. How, much defense, how defensive do we get? But if you never knew who your father is or your mother is, and you were adopted since you were a child, for example, and someone comes and tells you your father was like this, you're going to resort to believing them. Yes, it makes sense, because you don't know them. How can someone come to you, brother or sister, and teach you what your deen is? Who are they to come and teach you what your deen is? And I don't want to go into detail here, but you know what I mean. So for example, you find Muslims who, they're so afraid of what the media said, interpreted jihad to mean, for example. They've turned it into the meaning of terrorism. And all they mention is suicide bombings and so, and so forth, as they call it. Then a Muslim comes along and says, jihad means to uh, struggle and strive. One person said, me going to work in the morning in the traffic is jihad. Yeah, but that's not the real meaning here. Okay? They're trying to dilute the word so that the, you know, those who are, who are trying to interpret it to justify and get rid of it, they, they can be happy. So they can make someone happy about it. Or to go out and plant trees where trees have died. This is what jihad means. Okay, that, it's true. This is a form of jihad. Okay? Or a person fighting against their own whims and desires. And then they interpret what whims and desires mean. They say this is jihad. Looking for a job is jihad. Okay, alright. It is a form of jihad. But when we say jihad, it is to fight. It is to fight for good and justice. On the terms and conditions that Allah has put. And why would a creator, a merciful one, put conditions and terms that are disastrous, injustice to humanity? We submit to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and we learn what he has to say to us. That jihad is to defend the weak and the innocent in the cause of Allah. To fight for justice and to fight for good on the terms and conditions of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Not to fight in the name of racism or nationalism or patriotism or an ideology that someone made up. We can all make ideologies and we can keep fighting each other so long as people pride themselves with their own ideologies whether you are a communist, or a fascist, or you want to be a de democrat, or you want to be um, whatever you want to be. And so wars happen because a certain person just disagrees with the ideology. What kind of submission is this? Everyone submits to an idol of their own, to a flag, to a country, to a president of their own, to a man? What kind of submission is this? Disunity is nationalism, honestly and racism. So we submit to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Learning about the prophets and Ibrahim alayhi salam truly teaches us what the meaning of brotherhood and unity is. And Ibrahim alayhi salam was called the best friend of Allah because he truly submitted. Let us see some of the stories of his submission. First of all, Ibrahim alayhi salam one day asked Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to show him how he brings death and life. So Allah says in the Quran, 
وإذ قال إبراهيم رب أرني كيف تحيي الموتى قال أولم تؤمن قال أولم تؤمن قال بلى ولكن ليطمئن قلبي قال فخذ أربعة من الطير فصرهن إليك ثم جعل على كل جبل منهن جزءا ثم جعل على كل جبل منهن جزءا ثم ادعهن يأتينك سعيا واعلم أن الله عزيز حكيم Which means, and remember when Ibrahim said, السلام, My Lord, show me how you give life to the dead. He, Allah said, do you not believe? He, Ibrahim said, yes, I believe, but to be stronger in my faith. He said, take four birds, then cause them to incline towards you, then slaughter them, cut them into pieces, and then put a portion of them in, on every hill and call them. They will come to you in haste and know that Allah is almighty, all wise. Before I talk about submission, I needed to talk about this for a little bit. Here is an interesting verse. Ibrahim alayhi salam has just witnessed the argument between him and the king Namrud. We mentioned this a few classes back. I just want to make this point clear. And when Namrud, the king told him, I can live life, I can give life and death. And he brought two slaves, remember? And he let one free and he killed the other one. He said, see, I gave this one life and gave this one death. And this is not what Ibrahim salam meant. However, this caused Ibrahim salam to think. This is analogous today to what the media portrays to us Muslims and what you read. Books can dictate what you think. What you see visually on television can also dictate how you think. If they speak eloquently, eloquently they can, or, or that they've got their ways to visually manipulate your mind. So here, we sometimes find ourselves questioning ourselves. And this is something that exists within the human being. Because we have the will of choice, we need to understand things through jihad, meaning through our own struggle. And this is a form of jihad, to struggle to know, to understand. This is another form of jihad. And so Ibrahim alayhi salam, he didn't have doubt in that Allah can raise the dead. But it made a question inside of his brain about, I wonder, I wonder how the reality is that Allah can give life out of death. I want to increase my certainty by seeing it with my eyes. Sometimes we need to ask further questions, not so that we can be certain of the truth, but so that our hearts can not only be certain, but also it can rise and get closer to Allah and in appreciation. See, there are people who are Muslims. Submit us to Allah. You say, I'm a Muslim. We find millions of Muslims in the world. You say, what are you? You say, I'm a Muslim. Some people don't even know how to pronounce it. I'm Muslim. I'm Muslim. Muslim. You don't say Muslim. This is something Europeans made up in history. If you read about it, the word Muslim is a European term. English, Muslim. Sounds like the buzzing of a mosquito, which gives me doubt about the word, the names of mosques. Mosquito. Don't like saying mosque. Masjid, Muslim, put a double S, Muslim. Muslims are many. 
But mu'mins are a smaller in number. And muhsins are even a smaller in number. A Muslim is one who submits, declares. A mu'min is one who rises in their closeness to Allah. A muhsin is one who is on a higher level in closeness to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So there are many Muslims. And there were lots of Bedouins at the time the Prophet said, The Bedouins used to say, we believe. Meaning in the form of high level of belief. Allah said, Say you haven't yet reached that high level of belief. But say instead, we are Muslims. Muslims is when you actually are convinced in your mind and in your heart, but just on surface level, that Allah does exist and that He is the true God and in the six pillars of Iman and that the Prophet ﷺ is the messenger and what Allah said is truth. That's the minimum. So you start praying your five daily prayers, you fast your month, you do all the rich, these practices. But the level of appreciation in the heart is not very high. If you remain like that during your life, you are very easily prone to doubt. People can play with your mind. And you have to increase your knowledge about Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And when you taste, when you taste the knowledge about Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, you love Allah more. And this is how your iman starts to rise. When you learn more about him. Don't just settle for surface level, brothers and sisters. So Ibrahim alayhi salam already had iman. But there was more. Iman never stops, keeps rising. So he said, Allah told him, but don't you already believe? Ya Ibrahim. He said, yes, I do believe. But, لِيَطْمَئِنَّ قَلْبِي So my heart can be satisfied. There is something in my heart I want it to be satisfied with. What is it? I want to see. Let me explain something to you. You know there is a difference between hearing about something and seeing something, yeah? If the trustworthy person came to you that you trust with all your heart and never lied to you and said to you, I saw such and such a thing today. You will believe them, right? Without any doubt. But is it the same as you yourself witnessing it? No, it's not. When you witness it, it has a different effect, doesn't it? Doesn't it? Seeing is not like believing, yeah, as they say. Umar ibn al-Khattab used to say this following statement. He used to say, If I were to see hellfire with my eyes, my belief in its existence would not be affected. Whether I see it or don't, I believe in its existence. I don't have to see it to believe in it. And this was all the prophets. I don't have to see it to believe in it. But if you do see it, the effect is even worse. Rasul used to say, if it wasn't that you bury one another in the graves, if it wasn't that you bury each other inside of graves, I would have asked Allah for you to hear what happens to the people of the barzakh, of the afterlife in their graves. Does that mean that the, that the companions of the Prophet ﷺ didn't believe in what the Prophet said to them about the bliss and punishments of the graves? No. They believed with all their hearts. But if they heard, it will have a different effect. Fear will increase. And Allah doesn't want this. They can't handle it. Ibrahim ﷺ had this question. He said, I want to see my Lord. لِيَطْمَئِنَّ قَلْبِ on my heart to get even closer to you. So Allah did not deny him. If there was any doubt, Allah would have said to him, no, you are now an outcast. But he knows that Ibrahim already believes. 
So Allah told him, bring these birds and, and look what I do with them. In the hadith it says that he got four birds. We don't know what kind of birds they are. And it's irrelevant to know what type of birds they are because Allah didn't mention their names in the Quran. And he got a knife, slaughtered them up, mixed them up, their feathers, their legs, their meat and everything. He kept their heads with him. And he placed a little bit of these birds on four hills. And then he called them to him. And he saw these feathers and meat and everything roll down and come to him in the way that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala knows. And each body and feather part and body part and feather and blood and everything came together with its own body. Then they walked to Ibrahim alayhi salam. Ibrahim alayhi salam threw the heads on the floor and each bird went to its head and with the will of Allah it got attached. Sounds imaginary, doesn't it? Isn't it more imaginary that if we never had science and you lived you know, tens of thousands of years ago, and someone came and told you that you were an embryo that looked like a leech, that had a tail, that had a tail, and then you turned into a creature that has four legs, you know, like that, and you had a tail as well, and you were like a, a leech. They would think to you, you're crazy, you're imaginary, you're, you're just imagining things. But when science advanced, we find that through microscopic views, we see that we were once this tiny embryo that really looked like a creature, which is a leech. And then we transformed until finally we became this human being without a tail and with legs and arms and so on and so forth. So to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, nothing is impossible. Nothing. Here, Ibrahim salam's belief in Allah and his, yani, his faith in Allah, his, his, his closeness to Allah went even to a higher level. And Allah tells us, He is always almighty. Brothers and sisters in Islam, through our worship of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, Allah begins to let you feel and see things in a different way than other people see and feel it. When you see haram, you feel it in a different way. When you see good things to do, you are enthusiastic about it. You're very different to the rest. You are a stranger, gharib, as the Prophet ﷺ described you. So here was the story of Ibrahim ﷺ with these birds. And my brothers and sisters, life and death is only in the hands of Allah. This is part of our aqidah, our belief system. Why does Allah tell us the story of the birds? To tell us that it is Allah and only Allah who has the power and the know-how of how to bring about life and death and no one else can control it. And he can do it in the most amazing ways. In the, here, in the hereafter, Allah will raise us and he'll bring us to life. He showed Ibrahim salam this and he shows us today how dead earth becomes alive from a bit of rain. Does he not? He shows us how a dry land that has no life in it, Allah brings about simple clouds and then life develops there. How many deserts of the world over history have become alive and now filled with people and water and streams, palm trees, greenery. And how many lands have died and Allah brings them to life if he wills. Such is the resurrection. هذا وصلى الله على نبينا محمد وعلى آله وصحبه أجمعين وآخر دعوانا أن الحمد لله رب العالمين